0: You have to fall in love with the the space and the community and the patients and the concept of improving the quality of life, I think is everything if, if you're going to be successful here. Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device
1: industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. Are you tired of having to look in so many places to find the information you need as a medical device professional? Are you looking to level up your career, your device, or just your day-to-day performance on the job? Greenlight Guru Academy was started with you in mind. Our goal is to bring you online learning on all the topics that are impactful for medical device companies. The Academy represents years of experience helping companies get their devices on the market and keep them there. I can't tell you how many times we've heard people say, I wish I'd found this sooner in my career. So we want to share it with you as well. So come join us at academy.greenlight.guru, create your account and start learning for free. That's right. It's absolutely free. If you do find a paid course or a membership that looks right for you, however, we've got your back. Listeners from the podcast can get 25% off any of our products in the academy by using the code podcast25. Just enter the code during checkout and start leveling up today. Thanks for learning with us at Greenlight Guru Academy. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Global Medical Device Podcast. I'm really excited about this episode. I know I say that a lot. I mean it every time I say it, but this time uh, it's especially true because this is an episode I've wanted to record for a long time. It's with the leaders of the company here at Greenlight Guru, David Duram and Paul Johannesson. David Duram, you may have heard that name. I'll uh, introduce him in just a moment. Paul Johannesson was the CEO of Smart Trial, which was acquired by Greenlight Guru. He's now the managing director at Smart Trial by Greenlight Guru, although it's now just recently changed names to Greenlight Guru Clinical. Paul has built that company over the last 10 years, and we're just coming up on the birthday of both the company Smart Trial and the company Greenlight Guru. Obviously, if you were at our birthday celebration uh, earlier this week, you know that we've brought all of these brands under one umbrella. Um, and so that more information that you can see that in the show notes. But Paul is is an experienced professional as a CEO, a trailblazer, an entrepreneur, and he has an arsenal of experience with e-clinical tools, building a SaaS company that's software as a service, as well as clinical data management. He's been at the forefront of shaping the future of MedTech. So I'm excited to to share our conversation about his journey through entrepreneurship and startup life. David Duram, or as we kind of refer to him here internally as Didi, he's been building software companies for the last 30 years. And these aren't just software companies that uh, make a mark. They change the game. He's the CEO of Greenlight Guru, and he's been building this company for the last 10 years. And David's journey is a testament to relentless innovation. He 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 builds dynamic teams. He architects game-changing strategies. His leadership embodies the future of Metech. When you hear him talk, he talks about the importance of improving the quality of life. And that's something that we at Greenlight Guru try to live every day uh, and try to live those values of true quality, fanatical support, and um, innovation. So if you're wondering who's steering the ship over here at Greenlight Guru or what it's like building a company with the kind of culture that we have, these two are here to share it all. From the genesis of Greenlight Guru to how they handled the different uh, changes due to the pandemic um, and remote team, Get ready for an episode packed with insights, stories, and golden nuggets of wisdom. And now, on to the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Global Medical Device Podcast. I'm super pumped to get to talk to Didi and Paul today. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the past, uh, the present, and the future. That's kind of the the theme that we've chosen with. Um, we're about to celebrate 10 years. And so I don't know what that means specifically to 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 you didi and, and paul i'd love to hear hear those thoughts but if we look back at the past of where green light guru uh and, and green light clinical has come from um can i wonder if you could share some moments uh that that you look back on with uh with with good good feelings and maybe some bad ones maybe we could go both directions and and didi maybe we could start with you
0: yeah it's uh. Ten years is, is kind of amazing to think it's been 10 years. They say the days are long, but the years are short. It's just kind of flown by. And it's been a it's been an amazing run. I think what what came to mind for me as you were talking was just the the start of Greenlight Guru. And you know, for for three years, this guy named John Spear would chase me around and find me in dark alleys. And this guy would just show up everywhere that I was. And he had this concept that there just is not a system out there to help medical advice professionals to do what they do. And he was passionate about it. He had that crazy look in his eyes and he described it for me. Uh, we actually did a trade show together and the people that came to see us had the same crazy look in and, and their eyes. They were foaming at the mouth a little bit because there just wasn't a system to do what they needed to do. And I told John, you know, I'm, I'm really tied up right now, but if you had the right team, nothing could stop you from this opportunity. It's, it's all there. It's all aligned. There's a massive need for this. That's kind of how the whole thing got started. That's what that's what I thought of when you started talking about ten years.
1: That's really cool. And Paul, I know we've sort of converged in the last year or so with your origin story. So we have converging origin stories. I'm curious uh, what your take is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So you know, it's actually in a funny way also exactly almost ten years since we we founded what formerly was known as Smartwell. It all started with luckily a, a couple of pretty naive guys that if they'd known what was up ahead, <laughs> they would probably <laughs> never <laughs> gotten started. And, you know, but they, you know, me and and, and obviously Yon and, and our co-founder, Yann, we, we stuck to it and started making medical device software, but then kind of zeroed in on this idea with enabling medtech companies to generate clinical evidence, regardless of where they were in their life cycle. And, you know, that's really, you know, how we ended up really becoming successful. And then, ultimately, you know, joining the Greenlight Guru family last year.
1: It's really cool. I love hearing those founder stories, especially the, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question about things that maybe could have collapsed or fallen apart. And uh, I, I get mixed results when I'm at conferences and I say, what's your favorite failure? Some people are like, rather not talk about it. And that's fair. Um, but if, I wonder if you'd be willing to share a moment, maybe when everything could have collapsed and, and how you steered through maybe a piece of advice you could give to other, other people who may be going through that phase. Paul, do you yeah. want to start?
2: Yeah, I'll start. One of our first collaborations relating to you know generation of clinical evidence was with another private company, and very early on we started discussing things like IP and intellectual property, and we actually ended up not doing the collaboration with them, Um, and which probably was the best thing that never happened, because if if it had, I'm not sure we would be sitting here, but because it didn't, we actually ended up deciding to you know completely start from scratch. So the code that my co-founder Yon had spent months on writing. We looked at him, we said, Well, Yon, you're not a software engineer. And he said, Yes, I'm not a software engineer. But I have an idea on how we should be doing this instead of, you know, the way we were doing it in the in, in the beginning, with a lot more robust technology that's going to ensure us to really scale this thing. And so we actually took about three months of three or four months of of real hard, you know, work and threw it down the drain. And then we started over. So, you know, definitely a, a pivot for us there to. Start building on more modern technology than we had started with, and I don't think we would have done that if we had continued the collaboration with the with the first partner. So,
1: Didi, what are your thoughts when you look back?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a lot of things came to mind, but the one that really popped
0: up this really was that COVID moment. You're it's the spring of 2020, and you got a bunch of people in the office. And we worked really hard to build a fantastic culture. Everything that we did was about culture. It was about this togetherness. We were all together, same office. You could shake somebody if they did something really, really good. And you could shake them if they did something really bad. And we had this team and this bond. And we were all trying to figure out, well, how long are we going to be gone? And there was like a little pool that we ran. And the really crazy people were saying, like, we're probably going to be gone for like three or four weeks and i said guys i don't i don't think we're going to be back in here till june you know it's it's going to be a little bit of time and as this covid thing started to roll out we had to really reimagine and rethink what an elite culture looks like and how are we going to get this magic team and this bond and this togetherness that we've been able to build and you know that was really everything could have collapsed at that point i think if we if we weren't thinking about the business in a completely different way
1: that's a really good point. In 2022, was it last year? Um, the years are starting to run together a little bit, but uh, mm-hmm. True Quality, when we uh, had our first annual event and all our customers came together, it was kind of an interesting test to see whether or not you had accomplished that mission of keeping that togetherness. And uh, a lot of the feedback was, wow, if I run into one member, I've run into the entire team because you're so connected and so so similar in the way you um, approach customers. So I, I think that might be a good testament to, to how you accomplish that. But curious what, what you think the key was though. A lot of people are struggling with that remote and we don't have to go down this path too far, but but how to achieve that togetherness through remote culture.
0: I think it's really interesting. And I think we're, we're right at the infancy of this new way that people work. You can call it distributed culture. You can call it remote culture. I like to call it Zoom culture. We work on Zoom. You know, everybody is, is suddenly on Zoom. Yeah. So there's a lot of innovation that's going on in terms of how do you get people together physically, when you get them together. Do they work around teams? Do they work around objectives? There's a lot of, I, I think, really innovative thinking that's going on around how to best build a culture. And, and there there is some thinking too around, is it required that people have to get together? Or can you build relationships through Zoom or online or distributed or remote? So I, I think some of the steps that we've taken have just been through our DEIB efforts, making sure people feel heard, making, making sure that people feel that they belong a really really high score in terms of how people feel like they belong here. So I think all of that comes into play, but it's it's not one thing, it's everything.
1: Paul, you want to add anything? I know you so you're being on the other side of the ocean. It's especially important as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I I think Didi just hit it right on the head, right? Like it's it's very important to I would say embrace this new way of working. It's early days for us, but I do think we we've actually managed to continue to grow through the, the, the new way of working. I couldn't help thinking back to COVID, but you know, I, I might come back in terms of what, you know, a pivotal moment as well uh, in the business, but it forced us to rethink the way we work and rethink the way we collaborate. So
1: we are servicing the med tech industry and so we have to think about uh, medical device regulations and specifics to that. So I'm curious if you look back, I don't know the historical. And Didi, maybe we can start with you. Is there any regulation that stands out that uh, you know this was almost insurmountable, or or something that you faced that really had to change the way you approach things? Week one.
0: I want you to picture. I want you to picture four people sitting around a table, and the concept, the topic of Part Eleven comes up. And our CTO is getting his first taste of what validation looks like in in our world. And his next two words were, I quit. Now, I want to be clear that he was kidding about that, but there's a little bit of truth in every joke. So we developed this concept that I I took a deep breath and, and leaned back. And I said, look, it's pretty clear that this is a really, really difficult industry. You know, there's difficult regulations. They're changing constantly. There's a lot of complexity clearly we're going to have to have some toughness and i said have you seen this this rounders movie where they say teddy put the kid away and he said i can't the kid's got alligator blood i looked up alligator blood in the urban dictionary and it's the people who are able to withstand like the endless psychological blows they're resistant to the endless psychological blows but then they're also competitive enough to continue to pound away when they're ahead and alligators are tough you know they've been around for 70 million years i can't wrap my head around that but they're made out of combat armor they bite like crazy it, it just really it resembles what you have to have to be a part of this industry and to be a part of this company and i i don't know after 30 years i i think the smart tough people they tend to survive they tend to win and that that really came about as part of that part 11 regulation that that we were all kind of scratching our heads trying to get our get our thoughts around from day one
1: those of you who aren't seeing video, you can't see behind Dee There's this. There's this picture of an alligator that says alligator blood underneath it. And interestingly enough, I don't know if I ever told you this. That phrase is one of the reasons I was attracted to Greenlight Guru in college. I had to give a talk on in biology, and one of the things I found was if you drop cancer cells into alligator blood, it will destroy them. And it's just <laughs> one of those unbelievable things. And and uh, my wife and I would joke about having alligator blood. And when I came across, I'm like, no way, a company that demands it. That's fantastic. But Paul I want to hear from you what are your what are your uh, uh do you have a story that um yeah. a regulation may have tripped you up
2: not so much tripped us up but you know when we were when we were honing in on what to really focus on which vertical to kind of really drive against medical device being one of them um and I think this is around 2017 or 20 2016 17 you know, the European Union started publishing its first drafts on the medical device regulation and how they were going to start demanding clinical evidence for medical device companies. And, you know, we had been doing clinical research, you know, clinical trials. And then this regulation comes out that says, well, guess what? Claiming equivalence or basically looking at something that's already on the market and saying, we're just the same, is not going to be an option anymore. You're going to have to really document and prove that your device does what you say it does. It's not, and again, I'm not saying that the other devices don't, but it's it's really put you know focus and emphasis on generating clinical evidence. That's where we had this moment where we're like, okay, this is going to not only change the way these companies think, but also how they work and what's going to be required of them. And they're not going to see it coming. So this is our chance to really make a dent in the universe and assist these companies with producing. Better medical devices and make sure that they stay on the market. Because alongside those first publications, was people in the industry were saying, "Well, this is gonna—we're not gonna have any devices. We're gonna have hospitals without medical devices." And then ultimately, you'd see the—you know—the MDR, of course, push a couple of times, and and some of those changes, um, you know, had us questioning if we had made the right choice uh, in the beginning. But but ultimately, we stuck to it, and and a, definitely the right call in hindsight. But you know, everything in hindsight is. It's easy to call. So,
1: you both referenced regulations that that maybe they popped up and made things a little bit more difficult for some companies. And it's a continual thing. In the industry is still moving, still changing. We have QMSR, we have cybersecurity changes, we have AIML coming on the on the uh, horizon. How do you stay ahead, or how do you, as a company keep one step ahead of all of these different things that that could cause other companies upheaval
0: or maybe not awareness? And we've seen an awful lot of change at the end, haven't we? Like even in the last five years. So for me, where where I immediately go here is we have a team of what we call gurus. And our gurus are tuned into the heartbeat of the industry. It's it's a daily thing for us. This isn't something that happens in annual planning. And we start to think about quality and regulatory. We're working with our customers and our partners every single day. We're learning. We're developing insights. We're developing strategies. So it's it's sort of like breathing for us. I think I that's ju- the advantage you get too when you're not in, you know, manufacturing and aerospace and cannabis and it, when you're not in a, a bunch of industries and you're tuned into the heartbeat of this industry, it becomes a part of who you are. Exactly. I
2: can just, I can just echo that. I would say that one of the key things that I think, like to DD's point, is we don't only hear about like the regulation. We are you know, somewhat also a part of shaping the regulations. With our views of the industry, all of our partners, the ecosystem around Greenlight Guru, we have a, a, you know, we have so many touch points with what's going on that we, you know, we live this thing. We're not only reading about it somewhere or writing about it somewhere, we are living it every day. So. It's
1: it's a really good point. It's something I think we, as an industry, forget about that we have the ability to make that feedback to the FDA. And I know that's not what you're referencing necessarily, but just. With the ecosystem we built, it's far-reaching. I'm just going kind to of, kind of pivot a little bit to think about the team, the internal team. Um, you mentioned the gurus. Um, there's lots of different teams inside Greenlight Guru, uh, Greenlight Guru, Clinical Equality. What's some non-negotiable traits you look for in building those teams? And I don't know, whoever wants to start. I-
2: I've always had this saying that we would only hire pilots, and there are a number of traits behind hiring pilots so the difference between a pilot and a passenger is that the pilot can actually sit behind the wheel and land the plane or take off the plane and steer it where the passengers typically are just there for the ride if you like so you know on our little plane um we, we there's only room for pilots is what I used to say so there weren't any passenger seats we threw them out and then there were only pilot seats. Um, and the traits of a pilot is you know not only striving for excellence, and and knowledge and quality, but also they typically want to be at the best at what they do. I haven't met any pilots. like, yeah, i just get around, right? Pilots want to be the best. They want to be the best in what they do. So I think that's a trait that I would typically look for in a team member is the ambition to be the best. And not only that, but having the grit to also do it. Ambition and grit, I would say.
1: That's really cool. My brother was a pilot when I was, uh, I'd get into his his car as a a teenager and he was, Instead of listening to music, he listened to the call signs. Everybody, I couldn't understand it, but he was so obsessed with flying. And I think that's kind of speaks to your point. People who are so obsessed with the medical device industry or what we're doing, that's a really good point to, to hire pilots. Didi, what about you?
0: This one really hits the nerve for me because you know when we built the business, we wanted to build something special. We wanted to build an amazing place to work was one of the, the core tenants that we built the business on. And 32 years in into the software industry, the more I see and, and the older I get, I think it's about smart, passionate, tough people in reverse order. So this toughness, I, I just, my belief is that we all have almost unlimited capacity. We can do pretty much anything that we want to do. And then you combine that with the amount of access to information. Most of the answers are just kind of out there now. So. It comes down to are we going to quit or are we not going to quit we know what to do we know what we've got to do and so what i've seen with this alligator blood concept is there's just some people who are just going to continue through when it gets hard and then there are some people who prefer not to there's there's a certain amount of sacrifice that's required to build what we've built here to build something that's truly magic and, and truly amazing so for me as we build our teams we're looking for tough people with a lot of passion are really smart and can kind of take down some of these problems. I think it's just about how much how much can you do before you stop moving forward, which is why we invest in mindset coaching. We talk a lot about energy, we talk a lot about intention, and we built our team on, on that culture. I remember coming
1: and starting and and experiencing the mindset coaching at one point as a medical device guru, working with these different customers, you had high demands. I realized this is going to require a step jump. I thought it was good, but it's going to require a step jump and uh, reached out to uh, one of our mindset coaches. It was fantastic. So I'm glad you highlight that. Let's go ahead and go one step deeper. So we're talking about building out the team, but we also, of course, uh, the the ultimate goal is to improve the quality of life. Can you share a story where uh, our platform has helped make a real life medical impact? Didi, I wonder if you have one you want to
0: share? There's so many. You know, we do our roadshow and our our customers turn back on us and they just talk about why they do what they do. And, and invariably, you'll people will cry when they hear these stories. They're they're so passionate and they're so heartfelt and authentic. A lot of entrepreneurs get into medical device because they're trying to solve a specific problem that may be affected them, their friends, their family. And the one that comes to mind for me is Spark Bio. Daniel Pauls, the CEO, he came in and talked to our team. And he told us about when somebody's coming off of opioid addiction as an adult, you will hear them say that they were certain they were going to die. So they're not trying to get high. They're not trying to find their next drug. It's their, and so they're suffering. And what his device does is it sits on the back of the ear and provides a stem, neural stem that allows you to reduce the effects of the withdrawal symptoms from the opioids. And that was amazing but then he started talking about the babies you know the clinical trials that they were running through with the babies who from now imagine if an adult feels like they're going to die when they're coming off imagine what a baby feels like and he talked about the screams that a baby makes like you'll never forget it you know he's been there on the front lines and and seen this and he described what happens when a baby's going through withdrawals i think the most exciting thing for me you know the clinical trials went really well and when they were going to re- remove these devices from the hospital, the nurses were like over oh, my dead body. If you've ever been in the hospital for a serious event, the nurses are your, the, they're your champions, right? They're the ones that are just sticking up for the patients and they would not let them take these devices out of the hospital because of the good that they did for the babies. Imagine the difference between the babies can get relief in 60 minutes. Versus three weeks of methadone, and you're trying to bring the baby off, you know, chemically off of this dependency versus 60 minutes and the, the amount of suffering that the nurses have to see. So, as you see this device now come to market and provide an increase in the quality of life of adults, of babies, infants, that's remarkable. And we've got had to remind my team, you know, over a thousand customers, moving quickly to 2,000 current customers. Who are doing the same thing so our impact our mission of improving the quality of life is everything to us it's
1: easy to forget in the moment we're dealing with oh, i'm making software i'm doing this or whatever and, and and lift your head up and look at who you're actually impacting that makes such a difference that's really cool so we talked a little bit about the team a little bit about the history and the 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 patients that we're trying to impact um there's a third component here that we have to talk about and that's the actual uh technology that we're utilizing to help improve the quality of life. I'm curious, we, we already mentioned some of the changes from a regulatory standpoint, but how has technology evolved or how are you seeing technology evolve and, and uh, um, trying to keep up with
0: these advancements? You know, my background's in technology and the tech's always evolving. I think when we came to market, our, our tech was really, really amazing. And we've had to continue to make investments in the tech. And just like we talked about earlier, it's like breathing for us you're going to see some fantastic updates coming from the the way our our software operates, the way that it's used, the scale that it can roll up to. And then when you start to add in the AI, the artificial intelligence, the machine learning technology, that going to become a standard integral part of a medical device company just in their daily life. That is really exciting because that data can be used to make decisions. It's not about storing data. It's not about compliance it's not about you know just the bl- the basics of blocking and tackling but that can actually that technology which we've been investing in for over five years now significantly that technology is going to make a big dent in how a company innovates and makes decisions and what they're able to bring to markets once again it all rolls back to that mission of improving the quality of life.
1: I'm just going to speak just to, for a moment to the to, to what he's hinting at. So um, those of you listening, if you're interested, you can check out the show notes and I'll send you a, or I'll give you a link to what we're calling the digital guru, which is uh, you can get a, a snapshot of what we're doing. We mentioned the guru team, our team of medical device gurus who are professionals and can help you get your product to market. but. You can't really scale that very easily. But what if we gathered all of that knowledge and put that into an artificial, uh, an AI platform and and offered you that digital guru? Check it out. I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. You can you can uh, feel free to check that out. But I don't want to take up your airtime, Paul. What about you? I know you've seen a lot of changes in in technology as well.
2: Yeah, you know, I, absolutely. I think, especially COVID, pushed clinical studies. All of a sudden, from one day to the other, you couldn't do clinical trials right? There was, you know, nobody could get in. There's one task and one task only, and that was COVID. That, you know, spun off a, a series of events, one of which being more remote data collection, if you like. Some people call it decentralized clinical trials. Other people refer to it as hybrid clinical trials, where you try to move the study out of the clinic and into the patient's home. And, you know, we've seen a big shift in technology towards that. And of course, we've built technology to support that, for example, with Electronic data, you know, consenting for you know electronic signatures for the informed consent, um, and and you know other items that enable or facilitate these types of studies. And then on top of that, again, you know, in the launch of the Greenlight Guru MedTech suite, combining the the, the quality management system and the and the clinical data capture tool in one and the same suite, is just going to enable us to spur even further, you know, towards. What would you, what you would see medical device companies need at any given state at any given time in their life cycle from a software component. And then of course, infusing that as Didi mentioned with our artificial intelligence engine is really exciting and you know, what's gonna borrow us forward.
1: That consolidation is super exciting. I know a lot of our, uh, a lot of people who've already used one or the other, whether clinical, um, quality or our academy, I know they're really excited about that. So it's exciting times for sure to be in the med tech. When we think about scaling up, becoming more global, how, how do you see some of these, obviously there are opportunities, but what are the challenges in in uh, going from a startup to more of a global player?
0: There's never a shortage of challenges at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say... Just a combination of people and, and process challenges. So early on, you're doing things that don't scale. You're trying to figure out the business, the market, the customers, the team. Then you get to scale and your systems have to take over and your systems have to be one of your star players. Then you add lots and lots of people. Inevitably, you're going to have this messiness that comes along with this, uh we'll call it the law of large numbers. And then add on top of that, that people are extremely unpredictable. <laughs> that, that's a pretty pretty good recipe for a cake that's just that it's just full of challenges and it's part of the fun of of building a big company that's i think that's a good perspective to look at as fun paul what about you
2: yeah i you know i would agree and and then I, just to sprinkle on top of that the the fact that we're a global team right we are we're based in multiple time zones all around the world and uh, you know as we've alluded to before we're a zoom first company so we've got people when some of our staff is waking up the other half's going to bed and like we're overlapping at weird times of the day and and not that that's a challenge but that's an opportunity as well um, and and of course to make you know make sure we utilize uh, that to, to the best of our abilities um but yeah i would i would you know agree that we're not, there's no shortage of challenges <laughs> as we continue scaling and growing this thing and you know the demand is just so big uh, for products that can really again move medical devices you know, safely, securely, and in, in, in a fast manner, uh, through the through the hurdles and to the patients.
1: That's a really good point. I mean, if if one team is going to bed and the other one is waking up, this this is a global company now that never sleeps. So that's one way to look at it. Um, I love that you guys must have planned your analogies. Uh, Didi built a cake and you sprinkled on top of it. My kids would approve.
0: <laughs> no planning, but no, exactly. that worked well. <laughs> yeah.
1: Our- So when you think about us versus them, the competition, maybe uh, we talk about being a global company and and focusing on uh, moving the moving med tech forward. How do you see us differentiating when everyone else is singing? We will get you compliant. We will get you to to that point.
0: One of our core values is true quality. And I, I think true quality changes everything. If you think about restaurants or businesses or products or even people everything has a vibration I, I think of quality as a vibration of a, of a given level so my, my favorite example here is when you're a, a kid and you have to cut the grass for me i had to cut the grass before i could go anywhere and i i just remember this this i would just wait until the last possible moment and then do a really really bad job and you looked at it and you just knew that there was something wrong you're like mm, that's not good but the one time you decided you were going to do it right you did it perfect and then you cross cut it and you cleaned everything up and you swept off the driveway and you were proud of it and you looked at it and it kind of glowed a little bit and you wanted to lay down on it. You were attracted to it, you know, and it's like going to a, go to a sporting event and see the perfect grass. You just want to go lay down in the outfield. Quality is attractive and it has a vibration, just like a great restaurant. You know, you want to be there. The menus are clean. There's just the little things that a great restaurant does. And I think when we infuse true quality into all aspects of our business, that's the competitive differentiator. It's real, you can taste it, you can feel it. Etienne, you said when you, when you rolled up here, you said, oh, I'm gonna clearly have to level up here. This is, there's a lot going on and this is gonna require more of me. And that's the exact reaction that we want from our team is that always pushing quality. We're always pushing harder. How much better can we be? You can always be better, you can always improve. So when you talk about differentiation, I, I think true quality does that. What do you think, Paul?
2: I completely agree. And I think <laughs> to continue with the sprinkling anal- analogy, we were, just, we're just never going to give up. We're never going to give up. We're going to continue to push the boundaries of what true quality is and means. So every time we get to a point, where we're like, hey, we've got this. Just going to shake our heads and say, no, we have to continue to improve. And that's on all fronts. That's product. It's people. That's you know our own knowledge, skills. Technology, everything. And um, so I think that's how we're gonna continue to differentiate ourselves is the push. What
1: about the future? So we've come a long way. We've talked about the beginning. We talked about what we are and what we're what we're going through right now. But what about the future? Can you give us a five year snapshot to where Greenlight Guru is headed?
0: The way that I think about it is even more of who we already are, which is the number one provider of solutions for med tech companies. And then we lean into our mission. Our mission is everything to to us. So more of improving the quality of life through more products, serving more companies, different size companies, more customers, and then more patients impacted by Green Lake Guru. And then more of our team that is living a very high quality of life by being a part of this true quality and being a part of this energy. All those combine to to give a really clear vision for our five-year snapshot.
2: Absolutely, that. I would be singing the same song, right? You know, we are going to continue again, like I said before, the push, and uh, we're going to make sure that we can, you know, assist as many medical advice companies as absolutely possible within the next five years and make a true impact to patients in the world.
1: I wasn't sure I'd be able to get to these questions. These are my own personal, selfish questions, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, I'm curious about how you, as leaders, have grown over this ten-year ride. I mean, it's uh, you don't you don't go ten years leading a company like these that you've led without changing in some way. I'm curious if you could pinpoint or or, or describe a change that uh, that you've experienced.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because when you think ten years, and then you think just one year, even just the last year, it's been you know immense in terms of personal growth, professional growth. Um, but if you think 10 years back when we founded the company, I was literally a kid, <laughs> even like, I'm not even like, that's not an analogy. It's, I was not very old. And uh, so obviously, you know, I've grown up with this business, uh, tremendously, and I've learned how to work with fantastic people, how to see what people are good at. Um, and really make sure that we had pilots, uh, on the plane. And not passengers, and I think that's how I've grown, and and will continue to. Right? It's a it's a never you know journey that's never going to stop. And- yeah.
1: Can I ask one more question about that? If you look back on that, is there something you could have done to? Uh, we talked about the step jump. Um, you, you're you're looking at ten years now. If you look, oh, if I'd said this or done this, could have could have accelerated even more.
2: Not really. You know, and this is like. This is also just back to the way I think. I don't really think in like, oh, I should have done that a month ago or a year ago or a day ago because I we just can't change it. Would I be doing it faster the next time around? Definitely. Like would I grow fa- like continue to accelerate my growth? Absolutely. But no, I don't really think that there's a lot of mistakes that had to be made for us to get here. And a lot of, you know, a lot of wins that had to be won for us to get here. So I don't think that I would Be able to do like I can't even come up with anything because I my mind's always looking forward. Fine
1: wine takes time. Yeah, no, that's good. Didi, what
0: about you? How have you changed? Would you say? Oh, I love what you said about you know I was a kid ten years ago. Think about how long ten years is. Like it, let's just say you're twelve. Maybe you're playing with like a Superman doll at twelve. At twenty-two, you might be married with kids. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's ten years. Isn't that amazing to think like how much shift there could be in ten years or. The mindset of a 22 year old versus a 32 year old like 10 years is a lot so yeah. it's definitely been a ride there's been a lot of sacrifice that's been required to get to this point and i was telling paul earlier this morning I, they just don't give away opportunities like what we have here like companies like this they don't just pop up i'm even more convinced what i've learned is i'm even more convinced of the value of a great culture of people about caring about people about developing people you take a group of what we what did we say earlier smart tough passionate people all playing together with a ton of trust that trust is a huge word for us and then complete commitment that you've got a magic team and how could it get any better than that so i i think that's what i've learned is the culture drives results but it also creates the experience so
1: reflecting back on that, I'm curious what would be one piece of advice you'd give to a, a newer entrepreneur, whether it's in the um, building out a software for the medtech space or an entrepreneur in the med tech space. Do you have any uh, piece of advice? maybe just one stands out?
2: So back to what didi was was just saying, right you have to put faith in the people you have around you. Nobody can build a company that really makes a dent in the universe. Single-handedly, it always in any any company has always been built on teams and on great people. You have to make sure to really lean in and put the trust and the faith in in great people around you.
0: Edie, what about you? What what piece of advice you give? The one thing I've learned being in this space is that people who are in this space really care. They're really committed to the patients. You cannot be in this space and kind of spin out of some startup and try to put some VC model together and, and hope that it's all going to work and you know, be really financially or fiduciary oriented. I think to be in this space and to be effective, you have to fall in love with the the space and the community and the patients and the concept of improving the quality of life, I think is everything if if you're going to be successful here
1: we're kind of shift gears a little bit here if we look towards our fans because Greenlight guru actually has a lot of fans a lot of people who love the company love the love what we're doing and um, we love them as well you know it's a mutually mutual relationship what's a frequent or maybe a favorite question that you've gotten
0: from users of the platform or those who've experienced the brand something popped in mind you mentioned earlier the true quality conference you know the being able to connect with so many customers there the favorite question that i get is well, what you guys do is amazing can i come work there do you have a spot for me and and that's a tough one but in general the answer is come on then <laughs> but it's not easy it's not it, this is not an easy team to crack the lineup and to get it in or to be a high performer here it's it's not easy but come on then if if that's what you want then let's do this come on then
2: yeah i've been privileged enough to do Number of trade shows and conferences in the last 12 months. And the typical question is, are you a sock manufacturer? How do you make all those socks and why do they <laughs> look different? And you know, we give away socks at, at every trade show with a green guru brand. Everybody loves them and everybody wants them. So the typical question is, when do you make those things? And 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 how many can I take? Because I want to take like 10 10 pairs for my team. So I would say that. That's probably my favorite question is how many socks can I take?
1: <laughs> you know, that's funny. It, you talk about you, you make great socks or you make great this. Some people look at us as a media company. Some look at us as as a sock provider, you know, and, and it really goes back to your team. If you hire people who are the best at whatever it is they're doing, everything they produce is going to be good. And so it's just kind of funny that you bring up the socks. I love that.
0: I don't know how that started, but that's real. It is.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I actually think I've. Yep. I've got some on right now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I won't show them. Nobody wants to see my feet. I want to ask one last question. And uh, this is more of the legacy question. So we'll, we'll, we'll let this be our last question. How do you want Greenlight Guru quality, Greenlight Guru clinical? How do you want Greenlight Guru as a brand to be remembered?
0: My answer would be, if we're talking about legacy, wow, they really improve the quality of life. You know, we, and we put our our, our money where our mouth is, we've actually invested in the community here and, and built a, an elite facility for athletes to try to make their way into college and to serve some of the people who would not normally have that opportunity to Im- specifically to improve the quality of their lives. So if, if a hundred years from now, people say Greenlight Pure really improved the quality of people's lives, that's what we're looking for. That's our mission. We want to move MedTech forward and
1: improve the quality of life. Thank you both. I really appreciate you spending time and and kind of going through, even being, putting up with my questions about what your favorite failures and things like that were. So I really appreciate your time. All right. Thank There's
0: you. A lot of fun. Thank you. We'll,
1: we'll let everybody get back to it. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, reach out and let us know either on LinkedIn or I'd personally love to hear from you via email. Uh, Check us out. If you're interested in learning about our software built for MedTech, whether it's our document management system, our CAPA management system, the design controls, risk management system, or our electronic data capture for clinical investigations, this is software built by MedTech professionals for MedTech professionals. You can check it out at www.greenlight.guru or check the show notes for a link. Thanks so much for stopping in. Lastly, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. It helps others find us. It lets us know how we're doing. We appreciate any comments that you may have. Thank you so much. Take care.